I'm talking to you. Sound check. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Retro Time Podcast. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Derek. Derek, how are things? They're pretty good, man. Pretty good. Pretty good. We haven't talked in a couple weeks. We had uh, all kinds of stuff going on. Oh, man. Work has been a mess. Has it? Which isn't, isn't bad. Well, not a mess, just busy. <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah, it has a been. A lot of these big meetings at work. So Ooh, yeah. last two weeks, man, I have had big old workouts where, um, you know, you get to go in a room with a bunch of people. And, and then mm. my favorite thing about those meetings, Derek, you know my favorite thing about those meetings? Eyes wide shut part. Uh, no, that's never happened. Oh, okay. That's uh, right. NSFW. All right. uh, my favorite thing about those meetings are all of the snacks. Ooh. Oh, man. Snacks. Free snacks. Coffee. What else? Lunch. Yeah. Dessert. They always have dessert. We yeah. get those little boxes. We do these little box lunch, you mm-hmm. know, from random places. They have these caterers, and they always have, like, they got a little cookie. They got your pickle. They got chips. They might have, like, uh... I had one yesterday, Derek. I had cheesecake in it. Cheesecake. Yum. Oh, man. Made my day. I did mm. have to take a nap at about 2 o'clock. But of course. <laughs> that's what the coffee's for. So, Derek, uh, I heard a little birdie told me that you have something to show us today. Yes. Uh, it's a great show and tell. So, I'm so excited <laughs> to show you guys. I've been collecting basketball cards Ooh. and other kinds of cards, too. But mostly basketball cards. Mostly and basketball cards. I went through my old cards when I was a kid. I had them like they were in a big suitcase, and then I kind of at least organized them. So obviously they're all messed up, but most of them were. Mm-hmm. They weren't as messed up as I thought. So I found some That's cool good. ones, and I'm gonna show a few of them to These you are today. From when you were a kid. These are leftovers from when you were so a kid. Is that I'm gonna show you some ones that from when I was a kid, and then I'll show you some okay. new ones that I bought recently because I spent okay. uh, I've spent some time getting into what we call the hobby. <laughs> okay. Okay. We call it the hobby. You can call it that Can't too. Wait. All right. So that? Okay. My first, my the, first one was from the Marvel 1991. Oh, it's Spider-Man. So that's not a basket. That's not a basketball card. No, that's just, that's just cards I card. collected when you I know, was a kid. You know, I was going to tell you, um, I didn't collect basketball cards when I kid, but I did collect all the comic cards, mostly yes. Marvel, X-Men, and stuff. If you, you still know, have so. those, let me know. I'll buy them from you. Um, okay. Top dollar. Yeah, top dollar. I got oh, this Spider-Man. Spider-Man. He's from okay. the 92 set. Set. Oh, I was really into this, but this one's a pretty badass. All right, let me check see. this out, dude. Magneto, baby. Ooh, and it's, uh, Look, it's all is that, shiny. Is that shiny? Look at that. Wow. That's, so that's nice, Derek. All right. So, I, What is are... the uh, the value of these cards? Do you have... Um... I mean, the, these cards are probably between like $10 and $20, something like that, because okay. um, right. they're not graded. So to grade a card, it costs about between... Depends on the year, a time of you year, but... test. You can... Yeah, you're going to get them a test. No, you send them to a company. There are a few companies that allow this, and you send them to a company, and they check it out. And they put a little tag on it to say, like, it's grade 10 or grade 9. Like, mm-hmm. they look at it under a microscope and use their little mm-hmm. tools. But these are not graded, so uh, Got it. so be it. But I wanted to show you some other cool ones. Um, this is a little guy you know well, Archie Manning. Oh, look at him. Yeah, yeah Archie Manning. That's old, man. Saints. Old, old one. I had some old, pretty old, school, old yeah. football cards, weirdly. So I recently started buying cards, and this is a, a new, a newer card that I actually pulled out of a box. Oh, look at that! Wow. Yeah. So this is Lamelo Ball rookie card. Look, Pink. Who is, what's, what's his name is Ball, and he plays basketball. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Isn't that something? But look, he has a brother too that's in the NBA. <laughs> Two balls. I don't, something in the water. 
Yeah, you yeah. got two balls in the NBA. Two balls in the NBA. Um, and this is my this is my pride and joy. So I got this. Uh, more balls and two in the NBA. Look at this. Oh, look at that. Who's that? It's Zion Williamson, oh, baby. That's Zion. Rookie card. Okay, I that's see. a rookie that's card. A nice so these card. these this is probably my most expensive nice of them. This grade ten can go. Is grade ten the best. Grade ten is the highest for from okay, the company right. PSA. They're the ones right. that you can get the highest return on investment. Um, okay. We'll do a whole pot on this. That that can go for like you know. Between one hundred and fifty to three hundred dollars, kind of thing. That's a lot of uh, money for a card, though. I, I'll be honest with you. There are cards that are thousands of dollars, thirty thousand dollar cards. Like if I had that card signed, that'd be a ten thousand dollar card. Mm -hmm. That That's, kind of thing. You know, recently um, I just read this. Uh, uh, Steve Jobs did a funny thing. Someone sent him a letter asking for his autograph, and he wrote back and he said, "I'm sorry, I don't give autographs." And he signed. He signed the letter. He signed it. Did he sign it? <laughs> He did, and he uh, it just sold for like seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> just, just oh, Steve, fantastic! That's just funny. I just that's that's that my man funny. right there. I like that's, that's why I like Steve Jobs. It's just you know funny. Um, yeah. So that's uh, that's good stuff. So Derek, last week you had an episode where you uh, talked all about the Spotify model. I did. Gave me uh, flashbacks, mm -hmm. and I loved it. Um, that was good stuff. I was I was really excited to hear that. So if you didn't get a chance to check that out, Derek went solo last time. We'll have to have another episode where you and I dive deep into that. Yeah, maybe we'll even get uh, Ray Slatter Berry on to uh, the guy who wrote the, that article that you referenced uh, to talk about it. Seems like he did a lot of research. So maybe a future episode. We'll have to see. Good stuff, man. Yeah. Sorry I couldn't yeah. join you. I Thanks, feel like man. I let you down. No, not at all. Absolutely not. No, you got things going on. So, hey, uh, I, so I like talking yeah, to myself. Yeah, it's true. I am glad I was with you in your head, though. And you were—you were there. You're always there yeah, in spirit. There. Yeah. I'm always there in spirit. That wasn't weird at all. Um, so, Derek, what do you want to talk about today? You know, something I've been dealing with over the course of my career is joining a new team, and you join, and, it and it's it's very different than the team you were just Usually. on. Very different. Uh, maybe it's a big surprise. Maybe it's a uh, jolt to the heart, to your soul. You may join a team, and it's very different than how you expected. Maybe it's different from your previous team. Maybe it's different from what you're think. How you think a team should operate at all? How do you react to that? Is what mm -hmm. I want to talk to you about today. How do you influence the team or explain to them that what the, where the place they are is bizarro world? And how do you get to convince yourself that maybe you're not in bizarro world and they're the ones in <laughs> bizarro world? That's the big. That's the big trick I think that a lot of people fall into. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. Okay. Yeah. Well, so did this, is this like something that happened actually at work or is this just something you've, you've been thinking about uh, over time or is there, is there actually an anecdote that you have to go along with this? Well, I have a, uh, I have a couple coworkers I've dealt with in the past um, that okay. have expressed frustration the way that things mm. are working on my team Interesting. and okay. whether the team isn't there, oh, they're not testing properly or they're not writing their code properly or they're not, you know, this isn't how you're supposed to do management of this type of thing. And when they go directly at management and tell them, you don't know what you're doing. Mm, yeah. And sometimes it's given their position, like given their role. If it's a very yeah, hierarchical, right, right, right. Or, hierarchical organization, yeah. they might have a uh, less of a chance of really driving home that influence if I just started as a new developer and I'm wearing a right, shirt that like says, a, you're you not know, even a senior sleep with the developer. Just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we've seen Not that. that anybody would wear a shirt to work that says sleep with the developer. <laughs> Um, but if you do, and you, you also want to have influence, you gotta, you gotta expect that maybe you'll get some pushback. And I think that right. that pushback is a, maybe the trigger point to what I want to talk to you about today. How do you deal with people saying, no, everything's fine. I know you think it's crazy and all this doesn't make sense, but no, everything's fine. Uh, this is how we work. 
I, you know, I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to ask you a question. A few questions. Mm. Is that okay? Yeah. So in yeah, this case, well, I'm curious. What like was this a person that has had a lot of experience, or was this a person who is relatively junior in that they haven't had a lot of experience? No, I think I think in my experience that the people that have complained have had experience. Yeah. Okay, so they are experienced. Quite a bit. And they yeah, a couple, are getting com- pushback few companies they work from. For. Yeah, are they getting pushback from people who are more or less experienced than them? Great question. They are more experienced than them but only in one company, one process, one way of doing things. So, so you're saying maybe there's person, a, maybe there's so just to there. clarify, the person who is noticing that there are issues is getting pushback from people who may be junior in tenure overall or length of their their uh, uh, career-wise, but this these people have been at the organization longer and are more familiar with systems and processes that are in place in this organization today yes sometimes it's sometimes it's that they have a higher rank and they've been there longer and Mm -hmm. so it's you know it's it yeah so i say that that happens as well Mm -hmm. okay interesting all right so we're i'm trying to narrow stuff down and i'm not getting any any narrower no narrower it's all yeah oh yeah well yeah i got a question Um, yeah i got answers for you (laughs) well so i guess uh, there's various ways to handle uh, you know these different situations i guess from my perspective and i you know preface this by uh saying i don't know everything but this is sort of what i i i kind of think i i read an um an interesting article recently talking about the different levels of your in your career growth and where you think you are relative to, you know, I guess like, how's the right way to put it? Like you, where you think you are relative to, um, where you actually are. So when you're a junior, Mm. you tend to think you don't know anything. And when you're sort of that mid level, you think you know everything. And then when you get to the senior level, you realize you don't know anything. (laughs) Right. So you don't, you know, you don't know anything. You think you know everything. Then you think you don't know nearly as much as you thought you knew, or maybe you come to realize you, there's just always more to explore. And so I think when you're dealing with these kinds of people, there's, there's sort of scenarios where, you know, are you that junior person who has been reading articles and saying like, you know, I'm hearing other people doing it this way. This seems to be the industry standard or, you know, quote unquote, best practice or, you know, suggested way to do things. And we're not doing those things here. And you're sort of the junior. Um, Then there's that sort of mid-level person that sort of thinks they know everything and somebody you know, says like, this isn't the right way to do. We should be using this thing or we should be doing this process or, you know, um, because you've had some experience doing one thing and you think that one thing is the right thing to do. Right. So you try to influence everyone. Um, and then you, you know, you, you, you sort of are pushing back in, in these scenarios or someone might push back on you in these scenarios. And on the opposite end, you've got people in all those different levels that we talked about, the junior who doesn't really know anything. The mid-level who thinks they know it all, and then the senior people who, you know, may or may not, you know, think they know anything. And so the way that you handle these situations, like depending on the permutations or the combinations of the people on each side, <laughs> is probably mm-hmm. different. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't yeah, know if I'm does. explaining that very well. So it, yeah, it all yeah. depends, which is where I was asking you, like, for some specifics <laughs> so we could maybe give some specific examples to talk through. So let's think about it this way. You, yeah. uh, well, maybe you give me the, the scenario. Um, pick one. And let's talk about one scenario and maybe how we could talk through trying to influence change from different levels yeah. on each side. Does that make sense? I think that, yes. So I think that we're dealing with a mid-career, know-everything, dealing with a senior 
I've seen so much, I mm-hmm. know so little kind of situation. Okay. Um, and so in this scenario, the mid-level know-it-all has some new process that they think is the correct Yes, way. yes. Okay. Right. All right. Interesting. All right. So, you know, in this scenario, this is sort of one where I wonder how much pushback, you know, that senior person would give that realizes that they don't know everything. Because in my case, and this is, again, from my perspective, I'm sort of at the point now in my career where I would consider myself senior. And I realize that the more I work, the longer I work, the less skilled I am at actually doing the work. But the more understanding and wisdom I have about the system and how things around me tend to work. Right. So I mm-hmm. tend to be kind of pragmatic about it. Anyway, what I, I guess what, let me let me sort of talk about it from UX perspective. I don't know a damn thing about Figma. I don't know a damn thing about Figma symbols and how to build stuff. So like design systems inside of Figma and how to use, you know, design tokens and all these other things. But that's not my job anymore. Right. My job is to help the people lower than me do really great work and influence them in such a way that gets a really great outcome using their skill set. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think about like from this perspective, I guess what I can give you is sort of an opinion on how I would handle somebody coming to me with some idea about something. So current example, right, my my org, my team, we use Sketch because Sketch is, you know, what we pay for. (laughs) It's what we have licenses for. And for one reason or another, we don't have Figma. So in this case, I would be willing to bet if we hired a new person, the first thing they think is, why are we using such an old tool like Sketch when the rest of the industry seems to be using Figma? And so they are probably going to think the first week, God, this is so stupid. Why are we using Sketch? And so from my perspective, there are a couple things I would probably talk about. I would say, well, listen, if you feel really strongly that you want to get this software, um, I totally understand why, and I think you're probably right. We probably would be way more productive if we were to go and use the software. However, there are certain limitations in place. And so what I would suggest, if you want us to try to use Figma, would be to put together maybe a presentation or maybe just a list, a T-chart, pros and cons, maybe get cost estimates, things like that. How do you think we'd actually be more productive using uh, Figma over Sketch, right? And get them to actually think about it. Um, because, you know, yes, they're probably right. Figma is, is certainly the way to go. But then at the same time, from our perspective, there's a lot of security concerns with using Figma because this is a, a web-based tool. And so everything you put into those files ends up on someone else's server that you don't control. And so, mm-hmm. you know, there's also licensing fees and things like that, right? Yeah. So, um, so this is sort of where I guess I would go. I wouldn't necessarily shoot them down, but I would say think about the reason why you want this and think about why this is really critical and why we should really change. And what are we really losing by not changing? And what will we gain by changing? And how is that, you know, is it really valuable and worth spending the time, the opportunity cost? What's the opportunity cost of switching? Um, so I could see a scenario, I guess, flip that around, right? If you're the young person and someone just comes in and you think you have this great idea, and they um, try to just poo-poo it, right? Oh, no, we're mm-hmm. not, you know, they, you could think of the opposite in this case, Figma. No, don't even bother. Uh, there's no chance. Um, this is too much bureaucracy and loopholes and red tape, and you never get it, so just don't even bother. That could be, mm-hmm. I could easily see somebody that's at that higher level just shooting down that idea immediately without giving somebody a chance. And I guess from that perspective, if I were that younger sort of person with, with the ideas, thinking about how I know everything or whatever, I guess the mid-level, whatever it is, um, you know, thinking through that and what, that, what I would do to try to influence that situation, 
I guess I would, being the older, wiser, you know, senior level person that I am, I would think about doing those things that I talked about, putting together some data, you know, really selling your idea and trying to influence, you know, that particular decision one way or another. And I think maybe the only thing that would be different was like, now that I'm older and wiser, I guess, I would know when to stop and just know when to accept it. Whereas I think a lot of times younger the more, uh, you know, they're motivated, they want to get their thing, they don't want to stop, they don't want to take no for an answer, and they just keep pushing, 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 pushing. And at a certain point, that becomes yeah. unproductive and unhelpful, and it just doesn't get you what you want, and you're just burning bridges, or you're ruining relationships, mm-hmm. or just pissing somebody off, or whatever. And so I think that's, you know, I don't know if those that scenario would apply. I assume that would apply on the software side. There's probably... Maybe not licensing, but I don't know, test coverage we talked about a couple of weeks ago or, you know, something like that. You're trying to push for some process change. You know, we don't do design sprints. Why don't we do design sprints? We should push, you know, I want to push for design sprints or we don't really do agile. I want to push for agile or I want to push for this process over another. I think you could think about that scenario in similar ways and maybe maybe that strategy would help for for uh, for dealing with that. Does that is that kind of the stuff you're looking for? I don't know if that helps. Yeah, that's a great that's a great insight. I like the idea of simplifying things into these types of people because even though everybody's different, obviously, mm-hmm. it's easy to find characteristics of that mid-level person in sure. the situation that you may be in, you know, if you're having trouble communicating or influencing someone. Uh, am I doing it from a per- perspective of context and wisdom or am mm-hmm. I doing it from a perspective of my own you know, need to get this one thing implemented? Or am I really taking into account all of the possible ways that this, you know, may not work? Those have to be considered. When I joined the team I'm on right now, there was uh, a difference in opinion about how risks should be addressed, whether they should be seen as, you know, things that should be immediately identified and mitigated, constantly discussed, or things that should be like, sort of yellow flags, and maybe we'll worry about them if they become a problem. And I think wisdom, or years, not maybe wisdom, you know, whatever you, know, you could say about me, but years have taught me is that everything that you think will happen, will happen. You have to assume that. Mm-hmm. It not only may happen, but it will happen. So I write my risks as this house will fall down. Kind of, kind of thing. Instead of like, this house may fall down if this happens. Like, because then it's not really a problem. Like, you have to address it if it will occur. So, I found that like senior people who maybe they're at that point where they realize things are bigger than they thought, and there's way more to know. At this point, they're just trying to make sure that any decision that's made takes into account all possible factors. That's something I've seen from leaders uh, in the organizations that I've been in. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? What about this situation? Yeah. Not necessarily telling someone one thing or another, but just asking if they thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, gets them to think about the thing that they are asking to do and really like put it into context, like you said, because that's something that I think a lot of people, especially these younger, the younger ones, or maybe the mid-level, the ones that think they know everything, right? They've had a year or two of experience. They've seen something maybe work in that particular environment. And so they assume that that will work for every team they join. Yeah. And so, you know, it could be a process, it could be software, it could be a a, a method or whatever it is, you know, an activity, it could be anything, you know, I saw it work really well here. And so therefore it will work everywhere. Mm. Right. And it goes back to, I think it was Doc Norton, you know, even the Spotify model, like you just talked about last week. Yeah. It worked for Spotify. It has to work for us. And not putting, not thinking about the context about all the things that made that work, quote unquote, for Spotify 
And then, according to that blog post that they read, and then not even realizing that Spotify didn't even use it, really. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Totally and the same kind right. of thing, right? Really think about it. Why Is this the right method for us? Is this the right way to organize our team? You know, all those things. Um, I think that's a really critical thing, asking you, think about that. I think from the, I, I had a couple ideas and things from, from that perspective of the new person who wants to influence change. The first thing that I would say is, Give it a chance. Give whatever it is you think is wrong a chance. Like, I don't know, pick a time, a week, a month, uh, two months, six months, whatever. Um, and just see. And really, because you can't, it's, I think it's hard to influence change if you're not a part of that thing yourself, right? Nobody wants to be told what to do, right? Nobody wants to be told what to do. Everybody wants to be a part of the decision-making process, um, you know? And, and so if you you know, absorb yourself into it or I don't assimilate into the, whatever that thing is the whole time knowing that like, I want to experiment and see, is this something that's actually wrong? Is this something that maybe I just don't understand? Is there other contacts? Will I figure out why this works? It might even give you more ability to articulate why that thing is broken. If you can be a part of that system, right? So you're actually influencing change from within as opposed to trying influence changes, the new person, right? Because you haven't built those relationships yet, right? You haven't built the trust yet, which I think is really important. Mm -hmm. And so when you go to suggest change, if nobody trusts you, and nobody understands where you're coming from, why you're thinking a certain thing, what your experience is, understand your background, you're going to be much less likely to actually go along with it. And you're just going to be fighting them and butting heads. But if you can change from within, I think you've got a much better chance of, of actually enacting that change and getting people to go along with you. I, I, that's I one that's of the, really, that, really that, that is, that is, uh, we're going to, that's in the freaking retro time hall of fame. That one little, that, that little, uh, excerpt from Jeremy just now. I don't even know what I said. Put, put it in the hall of fame. You were, you were, you, you were just, I mean, that was like, I was like Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin <laughs> on stage. Just get out of here. More like a, a John Bonham because I play drums. Okay. Like John Bonham doing an amazing drum solo because it kind of hit home for me, man. It really hit home for me. There's a, I'm trying to say at this point. I'm tired too, Jeremy. Um, <laughs> you didn't get enough snacks. I got too many snacks, Derek. You got you too many snacks, snacks and you're tired. I didn't get enough snacks and I'm tired. Uh, but yeah, I think that you said it really well. Yeah, I think you just said it really well. That's all I have to say. <laughs> well, so I also think, the other thing I want to say is I, I just keep thinking about, and I, I use this quote all the time, but the Antoine de Saint-Exupéry quote about building a boat, right? You yeah. can't get, you can't expect for people to build a boat if you just give them tools and bark out orders, right? Mm -hmm. And it's impossible to influence people that way, right? Yeah. You think about authoritarian regimes and just beating people over the head and stuff and getting them to bend to your will will not enact at least long-term change, right? The only way to get change done is to influence and inspire your team to want to change because of some higher, higher meaning or higher, higher thing, Yeah. right? So if you want... To build a boat, you don't give people a bunch of tools and barcode orders. You make them long for the endless immensity of the sea, and they will build a boat. And the thing to keep in mind again here is that it might not be the boat that you had in mind. It might not be the boat that you designed, but it will be a boat that the entire team is just super excited to get out there on the open ocean and just enjoy the immensity of the sea. Right. And so I think that's just such a, an important thing to think about when it comes to influencing change 
It, you can't influence people. You can't make them long for the immensity of the sea if they don't even understand what the sea is, if they don't understand what's out there. And so in this case, whatever it is, you know, get them to understand the, the, the context and the process and why it's such a great thing. And what is the outcome going to be? And what are we going to achieve if this thing actually changes? And how is this actually better? You know, and if you think about that before you actually go and try to start talking to somebody about it, you may realize that the thing that you're trying to do is not even worth the effort. Mm-hmm. What's the outcome? Is the outcome actually that much better? Or is it really just about the same? Yeah. Going from sketch to Figma probably won't make your prototypes all that different. Mm-hmm. You know, it may make you more efficient. You may sit, shave off a couple, you know, minutes here and there. But is that worth going through all the BS of dealing with the security checks and the finance teams and the legal teams and all the other stuff? You know, I would say maybe not. Depends on your org, obviously. I think in my case, I would not even I wouldn't bother because I don't think it's worth it. Some other people may disagree. Uh, but I would say go ahead and you 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 push for that change if you think that's really important. It's not going to be something I'm going to do. But if you think it's important enough, go for it. That might be also be something else, too, to think about. If you're that senior level person, manager person, somebody comes to you with change. What is the one thing that people hate more than anything else, Derek, at work? Oh, a rash. A rash. What? <laughs> not having free snacks. <laughs> yeah. What, what is it? Um, it's to be told no. Oh, yeah, that's true. Right. It's to be told. No. I mean, you, I, again, I'm thinking about your episode last week where you talked about the Spotify model and what is it that people want? They want to give, be empowered to do things. They want to be empowered to make decisions. Mm-hmm. They want to be empowered to, you know, go and, and be able to see that their work is actually having some outcome or output. Right. Yeah. And so I think in this case, if somebody comes to you with an idea, just don't shoot it down. Let them go and explore, you know, ask them, like you said, have you thought about this? Have you thought about the amount of bureaucracy and red tape you'll have to go through? Have you thought about the actual output and outcome? Have you thought about what getting Figma will do that Sketch can't? Have you thought about how they're really different? You might find that they are, and it's worth going after. You might not. You might realize, yeah, you know, it's it's probably okay. I I could deal with it. It could be worse. Maybe there are other things I want to focus on, right? Right. Um, I think that's such a cruel thing. Have you thought about it? It takes it off of me telling you no, and it puts it onto you to actually figure it out for yourself. Yeah. You know, and you decide if you should proceed or not. And even then, I probably wouldn't even say no. My team, I'd probably be like, you like that idea and you feel really strong about it. I will support you. Let's figure it out. Mm. You know, if it's really crazy, (laughs) something I think is absolutely impossible, maybe I'll put my foot down. But I think for the most part, it's, you know, hey, look, I I don't necessarily agree. But if you can come up with this and you can convince me, I will support you. So I think that's the other. Don't tell people no. Don't just shoot them down just because you think you know better than them. That's my thing. You know, it's funny, too. I think there's some people who... They're mid-level maybe and or in, in the definition that you gave where they're like, you know, very confident about their decisions. And uh, it's funny because I can think back to my career as like, oh, obviously, you have to do this type of software development or else you're doing it completely wrong. Like, mm. how could you even, how, how yeah. do you get up in the morning, you know, <laughs> and not realizing that I've never, I never worked on embedded systems. And in that environment, it's harder to establish certain patterns of development. Because yeah. you need to work on me. But but in my head, it's like the principles are still the same. Being principled is more important to me than anything else mm, that you yeah. do. Whether what process you choose, how you choose to write your code. Because the principle is not tabs or spaces. The principle is consistency. The principle mm. is clarity and understanding. The principle is, is simplicity. You need to, and I'm saying you need to because... Uh, call me what I am, I'm an idiot. But um, no. So listen, 
Listen to me, all right? You. Yeah, you. Not you. Not you. Not you, Jeremy. You. The one listening right now. Don't worry about all that crap that you keep, (laughs) you keep like holding so dear to your heart. Yeah. I know it feels like you're a hoarder of all this amazing, these amazing ideas that you've accumulated over the years. But if they're not core principles, there's no reason to hoard them and hold on to them. The core principles, the things that guide you through every, every part of your life are what are going to make you great at whatever you choose to do. Simplicity, kindness, uh, autonomy to the, to the degree where people can, you know, support it. Like we talked about with the Spotify model. Uh, and then refine those things. Like I had autonomy as a, a, a core principle for a long time. Teams should be autonomous. They should be able to make their own decisions. Ah, now I have well-organized autonomy as a core yeah. principle in my head. I've refined that 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 yeah. principle. So when I go and talk to people about a thing, I'm not oftentimes find, trying to figure out why they want Excel to, to flip the thing backwards. I'm trying to figure out what the data is even for. Yeah, and when you lose same, that, yeah. when you lose that high-level context, the outcomes that Jeremy talked about before, when you lose grasp on that, you start to work on bullshit, busy work instead of lining, aligning yourself to a, a principled outcome. When you were talking about you going, you're dealing with people, they know more than you because they've been here longer. They know more. Not maybe, not maybe necessarily about the thing you're talking about, but about the organization. They have more wisdom. More wisdom. So. Yeah. Don't go into it telling them everything, how to do everything. Go into it, say, I don't understand how this organization functions. Tell me more. Mm-hmm. I'm interested. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Because your yep. joy in your job is learning new things about the work you're doing and the organization you're a part of. Like, that's where you get joy. And then once you've learned all that stuff, you get extra joy from actually solving problems. Yeah, output. So three, yeah. three joys. The three joys of work. Absolutely. That's what we'll yeah. call this episode. Three joys of work. Yeah, you know, you you mentioned the questioning, you know, and this again, I think goes back a lot to like what we as UX designers do. It's not just like what do we do. It's why we do it. Why do we do it this way? Why yes. do we do it this way? Why do we do it that? That's why way, I love right? you guys so much. Um, and so you know, in this case, this is again take take a UX approach to your job and understand why you're because like some of these questions may be answered with the why. Why do we do these things? Because this legacy system has to be this way. We have no way to change the legacy system. It's got to be that thing again with the. UX stuff with the Figma or whatever we have to because the the security and blah 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 and we can't have data on somebody else's servers so we can't do that stuff it it might just at that point you're like oh okay well I'll just figure out how to use Mm -hmm. Sketch as best as I can and get the best possible designs that I can using the using the constraints that I have and that's again I think that's like something really interesting you mentioned output my boss actually just recommended I read this book I got it I haven't read it yet but it's it's uh, I think it's called like output or outcome over output yeah right yeah and really think about that like, what is the outcome of this thing this mm-hmm. thing that you're trying to do you mentioned tabs and spaces i don't know if anybody's really going to go but we should take our entire code base and change it from tabs to spaces and spend i don't know a month going through every single line of code mm-hmm. and changing it from the tabs to space or whatever formatting is the new hotness what is the outcome did mm-hmm. you actually add any value to anything that made it easier to read did it make something else? Is there some formatting reason you had to do it because the checks don't work or the tests don't run anymore? Maybe there is some outcome, but there probably isn't for something as simple as something like that, right? You feel really passionate about like some really specific thing. What is the opportunity cost of doing it? And is that valuable? Is that is that opportunity cost worth the outcome? And did we get a return on our investment with the time we spent, even if it was no money? That's really important, I think. Think about the outcome. Jeremy, let me tell you a quick story because this might help our, our listeners. Okay, wow. really quick, really Hit quick. Me. Hit me up. We were working on in uh, Amazon Web Services, okay? And Amazon Web Services is, is cool because you can write in text files, like big text files, 
they're, they're organized or YAML, but text files, how your whole architecture is built. And then you run it through a program called CloudFormation and it just builds everything for you. Wow. And it knows if something's still up, it won't rebuild it. It's like really smart, real cool thing. So in the, in the CloudFormation terms, we had some consultants come in and tell us that we need to put little P's before the parameters and little R's before the resources, like in the text. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, God, I hate those P's and R's. So stupid, mm-hmm. unnecessary. Yeah. Because it's confusing to me when I see the P's everywhere and the R's and I don't know, I don't know what's going on. It seems as dumb as can be, all right? right? So, so when the consultants left, first thing I was like, we got to get rid of those P's and R's, man. <laughs> Okay, it's just, it's, it's take a day, just let's take a deep breath. Get, we all agreed, get rid of the stupid P's and R's. Do you because really need the P's and R's? Or you don't really need necessary? them. You don't need them. But I'll tell you a story of why it ends up, you got to think, you were, you think you before wrong? you, you, <laughs> okay, think before you stink. You know, that's what I say. Think before you stink. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I like that. So we went in, we changed the P's and R's. And then our, actually, it wasn't even a senior member of the team. It was a junior member of the team. Noticed that there was a, a conflict, a naming conflict. Mm. Yeah, where the, the P, once you remove the P, now it's the same as something else. Oh, boy. Yeah. So then yeah. We, we all got together and we said, is this worth it? And within 10 seconds, I'm not kidding, within 10 seconds, we all wrote no on the, in the mm-hmm. chat. And we so, reverted. And we, we actually hadn't committed the changes yet. Yeah. And then we reverted it. them. So Question. Did yeah. anyone ask why you guys do the P's and R's? Yes, I did ask. And, and he said it was to it was to easily see which were parameters and which were resources. Uh, see what he should have said. See, it's interesting because with UX, you know, it's all it's a lot of times about asking the question just in a bunch of ways oh, yeah. to actually get to the bottom. Because the answer it wasn't to easily see mm-hmm. what was what. It was to ensure that a parameter and a resource that have the same name don't have a conflict. Mm. Right. I mean, at the happening? end of the day, that ended up at ended being up probably right. what it was. Yeah. Now, I wonder, though, if they ever ran into that problem. Now, maybe their solution solved a different problem. Could be. You know, it's Could possible be. that in that case, that same solution mm-hmm. had two different problems they were solving with it, or one from their perspective, another from your perspective. And maybe they've never run into that problem before. <laughs> well, to me, it's like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Maybe yeah. From their perspective, you know, it's funny. They probably like, why would you name a parameter and resource the same thing? Yes, you know, and that's my thing. Never even thinking. About I'm like, that, yeah, right? that's my. That was my thinking. I'm like, I'm like, that's not what any of the documentation I've seen online does, mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And and I'm like, why are we doing it this way? These people had more experience than me doing this stuff for more companies, yeah. and this is the yeah. way they did it. But they didn't. They didn't inspire me enough to go and do it. Unlike the guy who, when I write user stories for the acceptance criteria, mm-hmm. I write verify that, and then I, I include the text because. He and he inspired me to change how I thought about it because if you write it that way, verify that, and then you write some stuff, it mm-hmm. forces you to make it verifiable. Yeah. You know, because because it otherwise instead of just you check could just that, write whatever you could just write um all the database tables are updated. Which database tables? Mm-hmm. Like you have to actually be able to verify it. Right. So anyway, yeah, that's that an interesting little, little example because uh, yeah. yeah, it's like kind of one of those things. Outsider that came in, yeah. try to tell you what to do. And what was the first thing you thought? Who are you? Why are you? Are you? What are you, what are you yeah. gonna tell me what to do? Yeah, yeah. Who do you think <laughs> you, know? you are? So I, again, I think this is sort of one of those things. Like they came in and they had a recommendation and they didn't explain anything. They didn't inspire. They didn't like get the context. They didn't even bother to look and see what your parameters and your resources were named. It seems like right. Mm-hmm. So um, these are just things. I I don't know. Just sort of example pitfalls that they they ran into. Got you know. It ultimately ended up working out in their favor, but only because. You guys happen to have a parameter and a resource named the same, all right. right? 
So if those weren't named the same, those two things were happened to be slightly different. A letter was different in one place. You probably would have committed all those changes and overwrote everything they did. Yes. Yes. Right. And if, if we didn't have a really sharp intern, not intern, but a uh, junior person who w- had like a sharp eye and was like caring about what the work they were doing. I'm going to give this this person like, a I don't know what I'm going to do, but she deserves like a, you know, what, a bouquet five. of flowers. I don't know what you give to an intern. Um, I said, not an intern. I keep saying a intern. job. Yeah. Give him a job. Raise. A job. Probably. Yeah. A job. A raise. Yeah. <laughs> the funniest thing was, is that we had two consultants. The first one mm-hmm. gave, put the P's and R's in. The next guy came in and he said, what are all these P's and R's? <laughs> and I said. Was this from uh, the same company? Yeah, the same company. Oh, and geez. I said, I said, uh, I said, well, that's what <laughs> the probably. last guy did. And he's like, well, I guess we better keep doing it then. <laughs> They were just like, well, I guess if they did it, we must, you know, I don't guess, want to guess, I guess I want to get in the way of the bees and ours. I, I got to be a company man. Yeah. So now, 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 now I bet that guy goes to every single client and he says, yeah, we need a P and R. <laughs> so now I don't well, mind my P's and Q's, I mind my P's and R's. Mind your P's and that's R's. Well, that's that's so all a long that's way really to get to story. that joke. Like it. Yeah, it's like a, that's a good story, Derek. Um, anyway. So that's that's funny. Were, um, were there Bob's named Bob? Bob and Bob? I just think uh, Al. Anytime. And he talks about consumers. yeah, it was and there was an owl in there. An owl, if you're listening, we still we love yeah. you. We miss Did you. Did anybody ever ask him uh, what you do here? Anybody? Else? No, nobody ever asked. No, none of that. <laughs> we just say you do here. But it wasn't like office space. See, if that ever happens to me in mm-hmm. real life, I'm totally gone. All Peter Gibbons. I'm oh just yeah, hundred percent. Well, yep. Let me tell you, Bob. <laughs> I'm even gonna say Bob. I'm gonna say that. I don't care what their name is. <laughs> all right, Derek. I think I'm done. That's all the ideas I've got. Um, me too. I think just again recap. Empathy. Oh, that's the other thing we didn't talk about. Empathy. Have empathy for these people, for the team. And really understand why, you know, why they're doing it. Understand the context. Build that empathy for your team and really understand why they're doing it before you even try to change something. And it's just uh, that that alone will tell you if it's even worth trying to do. And I think if you're a boss, don't just shoot people down. Give them a chance. You know, make them think about it. Make them think critically about it. But don't shoot it down. Nobody likes that. You're only going to, like, make them want to quit. Yeah. That's my advice. Great advice, Jeremy. Yeah. And if you're that middle area, you don't know everything. I promise. My advice is mind your P's and R's. Mind <laughs> your P's and R's. And also, mind your P's and R's. And don't name your processes and what is it? Pr- parameters and resources. Is that yeah. what it was? Yeah. Don't name them the same, Derek. You should have <laughs> known better. All right. Check us out on RetroTimePodcast.com. Get yourself some stickers. RetroTimePodcast.com slash stickers. Derek, have you found a day to take off work so we can just record all these goddamn review jams? I, I, I'm i ready, dude. That. I'm freaking ready. <laughs> Let's do an afternoon. We right do now, a Friday? I, I'm going to ride my bike. I'll be over in like two hours. All right. Uh, all right. Find a time. We can find some time. We're going to record these damn songs. We got another really great one from on uh, Steven on uh, Apple Podcasts. Ooh. You should go check it out. It's oh, really I can't cool. wait to see that. We got a lot, dude. We've got like, I think we're like 15 now. Oh my God. We're huge. We we're huge. No, what are 15, we going to do? <laughs> Jeremy, I didn't, re- didn't want to get uh, famous. Yeah, well, That's yeah. not why I got yeah, into this. 15. We got at least 15 listeners. Actually, no. Well, subtract the two that you and I wrote. <laughs> So actually 12, <laughs> 13. I'm not good at math. I'm a designer. What's that? 13, 13 reviews. I think oh, that, that doesn't include the two Derek and I wrote, uh, by the way, I'm lying. We didn't write those. Those are real. <laughs> Retrotimepodcast.com slash reviews. Check out those review jams. You want to leave a five-star review. Some point Derek and I will get together and write one just for you. We'll play it on the air, put it in our, uh, in our RSS feed and you'll hear it. I think that's all I got until next time. Take it easy. Ready? Thanks. All right. One, two, three. Clap. I told you a really fast clap. clap. Did you clap? Yeah, I went real fast. I went. Oh. <laughs> How fast can you clap? <laughs>
Um, like that. Yeah, <laughs> fast. I can go. Ready? It's fast, fast. Whoa, One, two, that was good. It's like a what sonic boom. <laughs> Clap boom. Sonic boom. Gel to the heart. And you're to blame. Um, but maybe, just maybe. Just maybe. Um, yeah, maybe, just maybe, you have to... Uh, I lost my train of thought. We started singing. Lost my train of thought. <laughs> That's okay. Um, <laughs> you said you get a jolt funny. to the heart. Um, yeah, jolt to the heart. So uh, I think I was losing my train of thought talking. I was just starting to say stupid <laughs> shit. Um, That's what we do here on the Retro Time Podcast. <laughs>